As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you Why mad? mad? Hi, Lisa. What's up? Did you want to start with the hide this week? We can we can start with you. Yeah. Let me wait. Oh, did you ask? One, two, three. Hey, Louisa. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jake. How you doing? We should just leave all this in. I'm gonna leave all of this in there. Yeah. (laughs) I'm good. Uh, (laughs) I forgot, you know, because we used to do this like so regularly. We had to. It just automatically every time we started, we'd go, "Hey, hey," and I forgot who started. Yeah. No, it was just always someone different. But since I don't have like um. I know you haven't heard any of the ones with guests, but like, um, I just did one with Katie McVeigh. You know her from LA? I think maybe. Yeah, she's cool. She's friends with Marcella, funny comic. And I had her on to talk about the movie Heat because she's like, besides my mom, the only other woman that I've met that is like, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about relationships. And I just like uh-huh. threw her in and I was like, yeah, dude, I don't know how else to do this because I don't need like the monologue at the top because I'm not a performer. <laughs> so I don't have any like, <laughs> let me talk to you guys for five minutes and then be like, uh, hey, guess who's been sitting here for five minutes silently. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, we're we're rusty, me and you, but we'll get back into the hang of it. That's why I'm like, we could just talk about whatever. I want to hear what's going on with you. What's, uh, how's it been being back? It's good. I don't feel rusty. I just don't remember which one of us starts the show. And it threw me really hard because <clears throat> it was like a bit the "Hey mm-hmm. Louisa, Hey Jake" thing, yeah. almost. Um, I'm good. I mean, I guess back. I don't even. It's been a minute. I'm back in town. I suppose. Yeah. I don't even. I don't, I'm not even thinking about tour because I'm like about to start going out of town and shit again. Really? Um, yeah. Listen, but let me. Let me start with this story. It's like okay. brimming in my head because it's so fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you something that happened the other night. This will this will explain where I'm at mentally. I think I was hanging out with uh, my friend Alex, who is like a, used to be a comic. Uh, I don't know. He's in, he's he, going through one of those things right now. A bunch of people quit comedy like post pandemic wave. Like, yeah. a lot of my friends I'll talk to, and they'll just be like, yeah, I don't know, you know? <laughs> like, uh, I just don't know what the point of it is anymore or whatever. It's really weird. People, like, really yeah. were doing it. I don't know. We're all getting older and shit. But um, I'm kind of having a weird week because I, uh, I had New Year's Eve party at my place, and then I went on mm-hmm. tour, and at the end of the tour, I was beat to shit. Like, I'm starting to really feel it because I'm aging and uh i like threw up at the end of the tour i never throw up I'm like one of those people you know yeah and i think all the alcohol was catching up with me and stuff and then i came back to town and it was my birthday and i worked a shift in my bar and then i had a little party at my place and like just fucking exhausted by the end of it so i i uh and i was thinking about doing like sober january like i'm very yeah. much in reset mode because of the new year 
But uh, but because I had that tour and everything, like my birthday and shit, I never do sober January because like, my fucking birthday's in January. I'm gonna be sober yeah. on my birthday, dumbass. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so I was like, when I get back, I'll chill. Like then I'll like experiment with some stuff. And so I took off a week off of drinking. With some sobriety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been experimenting with dangerous sobriety. But uh, I like took a week off of drinking and like uh, was like exercising and shit every day, like really just doing everything and like eating really healthy and stuff and uh it's sucks because it 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 fixed everything you know that's what's so annoying about it is you're like ah oh, shit it, <laughs> you know it really does like make everything work better but um but then you're also like okay but what's the point of being alive you know if you're not like if you're just white knuckling it all the time you know yeah. so <clears throat> i um but the the last day of uh dry week or whatever i was thinking uh I was, I was thinking about a lot about acting with intention, you know, like mm-hmm. instead of just passively drifting through the week and doing whatever the fuck comes up, I was like, I'm going to plan shit and like do stuff. Ooh. And I have a projector screen in my loft and I, I try to use it, you know, for stuff. And so I was thinking I got a group chat going with a bunch of friends of mine and was because uh, we all like playing uh, like stupid video games. Mm-hmm. And so I, I invited a bunch of nerds over and we played video games on my wall right on my projector and it was pretty cool and alex was one of them and then afterwards i was like all right let's go hit a bar you know i'm in a bar in a minute so we went to the anchored in which is uh in this neighborhood and it's like it's it's a punk bar it's covered in stickers and trash and stuff you know and like it's supposed to be this hardcore ass bar and uh i was sitting there with alex and we were talking and this woman like this younger woman was sitting near us and she like interjected herself into the conversation real hard. Like, like she pulled a move where she was like, Oh, that thing you said just reminded me of something. I don't know how she did this. And then like totally changed the subject. (laughs) Moved it so far. She completely question too. approximately what age. Uh, I want to say like 25 or something like that. Okay. 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 Continue. Uh, and she so she interjected herself into the conversation and then somehow managed to take the direction of the conversation to fucking Hamilton and like you know I'm a oh, dirtbag no. it's a yeah. punk bar um that's a you know stupid liberal like musical about the founding fathers and how cool they were um I have I'm another like, question I have another question oh my god I'm sure, sorry sure. I just and having trouble picturing this so in this punk bar does this person who's bringing up hamilton who's approximately 25 years old does she look like aesthetically she belongs in a punk bar and therefore it's weird that she's talking about hamilton or it it didn't strike me at first as that weird because she was kind of dressed kind of funky like she had like a bunch of crazy thrift store clothes on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like theater kid kind of style yeah and i Mm -hmm. was like i I was you know when she first started talking i was like oh hey it's cool jacket you like fucking um uh uh, cruella kind of like uh you got a weird (laughs) cruella thing going on cool you know and then she was like, yeah, 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 but Hamilton, right? And so she started talking about Hamilton. And she also told me, <clears throat> this is a very important detail, that she just moved here from oh, Ohio, right? Oh, God. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And uh, and I was like, listen, I think Hamilton sucks. Like, uh, <laughs> I got to tell you that up front if we're going to talk about this. And she was, like, really offended by it and was like, well, why? You know, and I was like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he kind of, like, 
you know, he, he retold the story in a way that people seem to think is progressive, but actually he took race out of the story of the founding of the United States of America, which is a colonial project. And that sucks, I think. And then she was like, no, 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 no. But it's actually, uh, it's a good story because it's just a story about individual people. It's not like about, you know, systems like that. And I was like, oh hard God. disagree. You're like, fuck <laughs> that. I don't want to fucking talk about the individual lives of these people. Yeah. And uh, so we got into this huge thing. And excellent then I was, propaganda. It's excellent yeah. propaganda. When people can't tell it's propaganda, that's when it's the best kind. Yeah. And then she was just like, could not fathom. I think that she really was like, this is going to fucking kill. Like, these people are going to love my take on Hamilton oh and could God. not fathom that she's in a place where people maybe think it sucks, which I th- that's why I said I think it's important that she just moved here because she's like, probably like, I'm going to go to New York City where people love Hamilton, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, <laughs> like you know it's like thinking everyone here hangs out at times square or something like that yeah. right so uh then i told her um hey did you know you know who immortal technique is he's a rapper he's like this puerto rican dude he's like a socially conscious rapper he's cool uh he follows me on twitter he stole a picture of mine a while back um mm-hmm. but he uh he's actually a legit activist and is a like an actual socialist i believe and he um he went to high school with lin-manuel miranda and he was his bully and he like would stuff lin-manuel miranda in like a locker and shit <laughs> i was like i think he's cool what do you think about that and she was like so you condone violence and i was like oh, man you fucking suck My like why God. are you talking you, to me you like a fucking musical about slave <laughs> owners what do you mean do you condone violence yeah God, dude. and uh and, then, and eventually anyway this all culminated in her she was like, well, how about this? And then she performed a rap she wrote <laughs> in the style of Hamilton. It's not from Hamilton. She wrote it. So it's like fan fiction. She was like, they should put this in the show. And she just so had the, the style, meaning like it. So it was of the same subject matter. Yeah. So I don't like remember. a brand new song for Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God, Jake. Did you love it? I don't remember it because like the thing is, <laughs> I, I had been sober and then I was like, all right, let's go fucking tear one up. And like, yeah. uh, you know, so I was drinking and like she did it and I was just like incredulous. I was like, why are you, is this happening? How did this happen? And like the next day I woke up and like I had that moment when you wake up the world doesn't quite all exist yet and then it like came back to me and i was like no that was real <laughs> that really happened yeah. and i've just been dwelling on it like all the last couple of days because like i think it really bummed me out because um bushwick used to be pretty cool you know <laughs> and i here's my point here's why this is a why you mad story right <clears throat> is i've been thinking a lot about how like I'm kind of naive as an artist. Like I'm a little bit of a dreamer in that I believe in counterculture kind of. And the thing is, it's not real. Like there's no, you can go to, there are bars that look like punk bars, but they are functionally full of people like that. And they're not, they're whoever drinks in them. Right. And so like the, this used to be one of the coolest neighborhoods in the world. This is where like stuff used to happen and it's over. Everyone who lives here is 22. Now everybody who's cool moved to Ridgewood or there's this fucking weird ass dime square shit happening in Manhattan. But like it's uh, it, it made it all too obvious. Like I, I felt like it's no longer possible to pretend like people come here to do something subversive. And like, I was also thinking about that because, like, uh, I've been you know looking at Instagram a lot lately, and like, um, 
don't want to dumb sentence. I've been looking at Instagram a lot lately, but uh, <laughs> I just keep well, getting... you were sober, so you were having to think about Instagram more deeply than usual. Yeah, and like every other fucking Brooklyn comic, like Brooklyn comics, not club Manhattan people, people who would be called hipsters a few years ago. Every single one of these fucking people has a bit now about polyamory and how they hate it. <laughs> and I'm like, why did you move to Brooklyn? Like, I understand uh, you you live your life however the fuck you want, have whatever opinions yeah. you want. But it's annoying to me that people come here where subversion is in theory supposed to be happening. I know that's naive. I know it's not true. Yeah. Which is just a product you consume like any other fucking product, right? But yeah. Uh, it felt like it was possible at one point for like, you know, people to, to move to a place and then like sort of um, change society or just be, be a certain way, you know? And like, I don't know. I also think about this cause I just watched American horror story. The one that the, the weird New York city one they made about like, um, Ugh, I couldn't get through it. It was, I mean, that show is insane <laughs> but like yeah. uh it was fucking weird and uh it, i don't know what i was trying to say it was parts of it were cool but it was about like uh chelsea like the like the you know yeah. the leather scene and shit in the, mm -hmm. in the neighborhood in, the in clothes, fucking yeah. manhattan in like the 80s where destigmatization happened in my opinion like you know it used to be illegal to be gay like it was it had to be a secret right and then there was like this legitimate cultural change like a shift that happened in over time and through events like the aids crisis and stuff like that where now people aren't like uh like like there's a an understanding like so there was a hump that people got over where now people understand gay people are humans and they're born like that and you shouldn't judge people and we all have rainbow <laughs> flags like and our businesses <laughs> like, <laughs> or whatever the fuck and, but like i guess what i'm getting at is mm. uh this this thing where there's like a bunch of fucking hamilton people and like comedians who are supposed to be subversive but they're like bitching about the fact that they live in a neighborhood where they go on a dating app and like i don't know one in fucking a hundred people is like i don't choose to live my life a certain way you know uh who's ethically non-monogamous or whatever is like this huge fucking problem to them well that's annoying but it's also like it's also a sign that you live in this neighborhood and that is an effective cultural like force coming out of this neighborhood uh you know what i mean if you didn't live here you wouldn't be complaining about that because that wouldn't exist so it is kind of yeah. nice that it exists but also like you're the artist why are you the one complaining about fucking people living their lives a certain way you know i don't know okay well I agree and disagree with a bunch of points throughout your um, paragraph. Okay, here's mine. <laughs> yeah, because I got to respond to you, but I also got to tell you that, um, so I woke up early in the morning, I guess the day after this happened to you, and I saw your tweet about looking at Instagram and being like, what the fuck, why does every young comic have like these trad kind of fucking uh, bits, right? Yeah. And I didn't see anything about like what led you to comment about this you know so i just like thought about it just as like looking at instagram and here's the thing specifically you like mentioned like i don't know if it's just my feed or something like that and i had had the very same thought right like i was like oh okay so for sure instagram is showing me because of the things i tweet about or i read or whatever 
it's showing me stuff that happens to mention polyamory or, you know, whatever, whatever the keywords are, right? But even if it's our algorithm, like, fucking catering to us, it is still crazy (laughs) that so many young comics, dude, even queer comics, young queer comics, have these bits that are, like, anti-polyamory, anti-non-monogamy, anti- or, like, professing their love for weddings and other, like, super traditional shit. I saw one from a young gay male comic that did a bit basically, dude, a leftist trad bit is basically what this guy did, Jake, which was, he said, I don't want to do his bit, but (laughs) basically the joke was about how all his friends have a lot of boyfriends and he feels like that's not fair. And as a leftist, he wants to redistribute boyfriends. Right. And so I'm sorry if anybody knows who that is, who does that joke, but like, It's just an example of people who consider themselves progressive in a progressive place saying something that to them sounds progressive, but it's fucking not at all progressive, right? And so here's where I disagree with you. Oh, so the part that I like was going to tell you is that your tweet about that made me think a lot about this, right? Uh So I've talked to a couple of people about it. I've been thinking about it. And the part that I disagree with that you said is that it's like a bunch of people who like, why are you coming here? If you are trads, you know, this is a place or we naively think this is a place where uh, counterculture should be happening. Right. Yeah. I actually think that they, well, first of all, there's the artist thing. New York still is for a lot of the rest of the country. One of the places where you go to make it in art, especially performance art. Right. Right. So there are super trad catholic fucking protestant you know whatever like very very hyper traditional small uh world people that new york is the first time that they're coming somewhere and encountering a place where all of us who are here right forget let's forget for a moment the group that moves here from another place in america but most people in new york are either natives to new york or like full-on immigrants from another country or children or grandchildren of those immigrants from another country, right? And then there's a group from the rest of the country that moves to New York. And traditionally, (laughs) ironically enough, that group has been, as you say, counterculture, you know, the weirdos, the gays, all the fucking, the punks, the people that are like, we're just going to go live hard, right? Yeah. I think that in a lot of these cases, especially with the comedians, they were the counterculture wherever they came from. They identified as the counterculture wherever they came from, especially if they're queer, especially if they're brown and like came from a small town, you know what I mean? Or if they're even slightly leftist, not even leftist, just like liberal, I guess, (laughs) there, then they can feel like they're leftist listening to these leftist podcasts from Brooklyn and whatever and from Ohio because they're there too. Um, And Ohio, you know, it's weird because... I politically it represents squarely the middle of the country so it absolutely represents trad shit but we know great awesome leftist people from there right who are uh progressive and different in their thinking so none of what I'm saying means everybody who's from a place is a certain way all right this is these are generalizations but I do think that they thought 
the way that we thought, hey man, I don't fit in here. I bet you maybe I'd fit in in New York. You get me? Uh-huh. And then they got here. And here's the thing. Here, immigrants and children of immigrants and, and native New Yorkers, the thing that they share in common is live and let live for the most part, which is understanding other cultures are different. We, you know, like you pick up the lingo if you have if you're in a neighborhood that's adjacent to another uh, racial or cultural group. Um, but I guess let me let me compare what I think is happening with gentrification. Because I do think it's sort of an intellectual gentrification that's happening, Jake. I kind of used the same metaphor the other day talking about this. Yeah, where they like they're coming here being like, oh my God, I'm I'm so edgy and queer and crazy and trans, like whatever. And then they wanna come to Brooklyn and they're like, oh, all I hear is other people being so queer and so trans and so gay <laughs> and so poly and trying different structures and not believing in the family and not wanting to have children and never wanting to buy property. And they're like, and like believing that marriage is disgusting <laughs> and stuff like that. And they're like, oh my God, first of all, they don't feel special anymore. Okay? Right. Second of all, they feel like suddenly the dominant culture is this, is the super queer, super poly, super lefty, super whatever shit that is pushing against them now and it's oppressing them. Because now if you can't date here, then it's not, whose fault is it then? Is it, (laughs) you know, like if you're not happy and you're not finding friends here, the same as you weren't back in wherever the fuck, uh, Arkansas or whatever, I don't know, then now it's time to assess yourself and think about yourself but instead of doing that they kind of are the other side of the coin of the uh reactionary right wing comics the ones that went right because what they're doing is reaction being reactionary to very progressive culture and because they believe subconsciously the idea that their job is to challenge anything that seems like the dominant culture then they get up on stage and they do these bits about how non-monogamy sucks and how fucking uh, um gen like we're all destroying the the nuclear family and how they make people make you feel bad now if you want a wedding and like you know and here's the thing maybe in brooklyn you're the only one saying that dumb shit and A, nobody in Brooklyn is like, yay, good job. <laughs> and B, you're saying just the same thing as that the whole fucking rest of the country. You are the hegemonic culture coming right. in here to tell us that it's bad. So I compare it to gentrification because it's the equivalent of when a white person from the Midwest moves to Crown Heights and starts calling the police on the people who have lived there for two generations, three generations, because they play music too loud outside. What are you fucking talking about? That is what they do here. <laughs> that is what yeah. we do here. Who, why are you complaining about the loud music? It was there when you first came to see the apartment. This reminds me of this thing that happened in Austin when I lived there. Yeah. A, uh, there's a street called Red River that's like uh, a bunch of music venues are on it. It's like yeah. a famous strip of cool places where you'll see bands play and shit. And uh, when people started gentrifying Austin really hard and all these like Silicon Valley people moved in, they built high rises next to like the clubs on Red River because the people want the people who were coming here wanted to like 
conspicuously consumed that neighborhood. You know, mm -hmm. Red River is a famous street, so they wanted to live on Red River, but they all have these stupid office jobs. So they implemented a fucking noise curfew on that street because all these people that live there complained. Yeah, about the, yeah and it's like, <laughs> but you moved to you where the hobos hang out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, it fucking makes me so mad. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And I think it's. um. Also, like, yeah. sorry, not to cut you off. No, but no, go for it. I think you hit a really important point, which is that these people perceive what they are reacting against as the dominant culture now, but it's not. And that's like really important to the reactionary mind is to take a tiny sliver of a thing that makes you fucking feel challenged and then position yourself as if you were a victim of it and if it, as if it is the entire fucking thing. Because like every like Republican comedian talks about how like, the government is like socialist there's no socialism in this yeah. fucking country they're doing uh, exactly that exactly right. yeah they also like uh, there's this this survey a while back where they asked some fucking they asked like average americans how many uh how many what percentage of the population do you think is trans and like most people answered like 20 they think, like 30 yes it's like one percent of people uh but yeah. they perceive it as this fucking thing that's like imposing itself because it's a thing because the media keeps about. making it a thing and like yeah exactly and politicians and everything yeah and we live in like the internet era now where like everyone exactly. is able to be out and you know uh, like in public yeah. on the internet and stuff and so there's this this you know there's people that exist that you just didn't have vision of before and now you're because yeah. it's it's like war propaganda they often overblow like the enemy you know and make yeah. them seem like they're like this huge threat it's, it's like that sort of thing is happening in people's minds where they need to you know position themselves as being like a victim of like a really scary force that is just it's yes. not and with like these fucking people bitching about like non-monogamy or whatever mm -hmm. i saw somebody on twitter uh talk about this i thought it was really funny because they said like Oh, are is it that hard that you're still the fucking vast majority of people on these apps? Yeah. Like you're it's not every fucking person. You're just experiencing being inconvenienced like one time uh, yeah. every every so often seeing a person that you maybe think is hot and then scrolling in their bio and you're like, "Oh, what? I guess I can't fuck them." And it's like, "Are you entitled to date that person? What the fuck exactly. is your Exactly. That's literally like being like, "I want the toy that the other kid has. It's not my toy, but I want that toy." And it's like, "It's fucking not for you, bro. What are you This doing? is why I brought up the 80s and like the gay yeah. neighborhoods and stuff cuz I'm like, if dating apps existed back then these same people would have moved to chelsea and then been like oh my Too god like, all these fucking <laughs> guys on here don't want to fuck you and it's like yeah they yeah. don't want to fuck you they're gay they're square. <laughs> like, it's not gonna work like no matter how hard you try to force it so like fucking. well you know you made me think of a another really good point um in like to add to your good point of what you're saying like the these progressive people also who are framing themselves as victims to their imagined hegemony they're having to face every day in places like Brooklyn. Um, what is kind of ironic, and I don't know if they realize this, is that really often what they are doing is attacking the lifestyles <clears throat> and within the communities that are sort of our sanctuary for the weirdos that came from other places who are happy here for queer people who have found a real family here after like literally not having a family to go back to where the fuck they run away from you know uh mm -hmm. immigrants of color who have made like uh especially queer ones i know so many that like 
wherever their family was from, they couldn't have been whoever they are. And here they find those families and those venues and those events and that art and those groups. And then for these like honestly white people (laughs) to come from other places and act as though they are being oppressed by the way in which these people that I mentioned before are trying to live freely. Right. So they're like framing them as the bad guys. Right. And here's the thing. I follow this leftist uh, dude. He's like an an anonymous account because he's a graduate student, you know, and I guess he wants to have a career one day. (laughs) And uh, he, uh, he tweeted something really interesting. It was like, I don't know if I retweeted, I think he might be private, but he tweeted something uh, where he said, the idea of leftist self-help is like a, a, a self-contradictory, right? Because self-help as a category, as a concept, like psychology, is something that is meant to help you uh, be more fruitful and useful and able to inculcate yourself into the hegemonic systems of society. Right. Neither uh, self-help nor psychology are about challenging those systems or changing those systems, or it's, they are both about finding a way to be, if not happy, at least like useful and like uh, normal within those systems. Right. And um, leftism by its very, I don't even want to say definition, but in its entire like intellectual uh, identity, I guess, as a theory, is about dismantling hegemonic systems that only give uh, preference to one group while oppressing everyone else. So therefore, there is, it just is like nonsensical to be thinking about a way to like make marriage good (laughs) and like make you know, or make voting good. I'm sorry, but it's not. It's just like, sure, you can you can engage in things like trying to get voting stuff to work and whatnot, but that in and of itself is not leftist action. It is uh, temporary, doing your best, moving the needle slightly. You would have to concurrently have like personal or public um, changes in your behavior that are anti the hegemony, not about making the hegemony more comfortable. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. Like people that (laughs) like, uh, you know, they get married, but they're like, oh, I'm not going to take the last name or something or like, or we'll all hyphenate forever, which they obviously like don't even think about what happens to the next generation. Right. Because if you and I have a kid and the kid is Diaz Flores, and then the kid gets married, and, and then the flowers. kid is going to be Diaz Flores, whatever, Gomez Gomez is the other kid that he marries, yeah. right? So now they're Diaz Flores Gomez Gomez, or do they drop <laughs> one of our last names anyway? So either yeah. way, all the stupid family names get chopped off. So it's yeah. stupid. It's still selling an individual to another family. <laughs> I mean, it's just like... Uh soldering all the rough edges off of the thing but it's still the thing so mm-hmm. like it just feels like a a massive case of cope i guess when you when you talk yeah. to someone they're like we're doing it but we're doing it this way and you're like okay like this seems like you're just making yourself feel better about the fact that you 
you know, you decided to do this thing. And I understand there's a lot, a lot of pressure to live your life traditionally. And when people, when it, you know, really comes down to it, most people pick the, you know, the traditional path because there's all this pressure from like your parents and stuff like that. Uh, but it just, it seems very obvious when people pick that and then decide to make themselves feel better about it by like trying to, uh, trying to make it woke or whatever the fuck, you know? Uh, yeah, dude. Well, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of like a really sick thing that we should think about. Like, why do humans do that thing that they're like, I'm not really happy doing this, but I feel like if more people join me, then maybe it would be better. <laughs> because, yeah. like, I do feel like women do that with, like, having children, you know? Totally. Everybody uh, that has kids, they do, like, I've, I've heard this joke a lot where, like, yeah, once you do it, then the person you know who has kids is like, all right, I tricked you, you know, like, yeah, you're in hell exactly. with us now or whatever. And they're like, I just needed a friend. Yeah, exactly. I needed someone else. I've heard that a lot, too. Um, but it's just so, um, I don't know. It's so depressing, <laughs> I guess, is, is the thing. Because um, it would be fine. I assume some of those people evangelizing, for example, having children, do really love it. And everything is going great for them for a variety of reasons. But the reason that something like postpartum depression exists is not just a, quote, chemical imbalance. It is also society making it for fucking decades, if not hundreds of years, a source of shame for a woman to have a difficult pregnancy, to not be glowing and happy about it, to fucking have a difficult birth, to have regretted having a child, to have like not want to have a second one. You're shamed into silence. They're shamed into not, you know, like you're not a good woman. You're not a good mother. How would you feel if your kid heard you saying that? And because of that, no, Dude, I'm gonna tell you something, I guess, personal, but it's like very shocking. Okay. My mom, like a week ago, we're just like chatting, you know, and my mom and I have a very real friendship where we talk to each other about shit for real, you know? Uh-huh. And we were talking about the shit that's going on in this fucking country with women's uh, reproductive rights and shit, right? And, you know, I was born in America, but I have an, I had an older sister. She died uh-huh. a while ago. So I was my mom's second child. My mom had me at 20 years old and last week we're talking and she goes, we're, we're talking about reproductive rights. And she goes, Lisa, can I tell you something? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And she goes, do you know when I found out what abortion was? And I was like, no, like, when did you find out? And she goes, when I was pregnant with you, in my third trimester, I was in America, right? Because I was the first American kid, right? Yeah. And she went to a doctor's office. And while she's in the lobby waiting for like one of her final exams before she has me, there are two other pregnant white ladies there, right? Two pregnant white ladies there. And they're chatting about like their family planning and whatever the fuck. And one of them says, yeah, I actually had two abortions before I had this one, right? And this is 1981, okay? Uh-huh. And my mom, who barely speaks English, is like, what's an abortion? And those fucking two ladies had to explain to my pregnant-ass mom that what an abortion is, that you can elect to terminate a pregnancy. And my mom was like, do you you understand that I already had 
you, I had you coming in two weeks and I already had one before that. And no one ever told me that that was like an option. <laughs> and I was like, oh, babe, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was like, oh, mom. So like, <laughs> I fucking want people to understand that like, I am anti-trad because tradition hurts women. It hurts women and children the absolute most. And you can fucking dress it up about having a pretty little dress in your ceremony and like whatever. But it all comes down to, for the majority of history, women have had to marry men for safety, for dependence, because their children will be in danger. And even then, their children were still in danger and they were exposed to danger. And it just fucking sucks that people keep wanting to keep these like traditions alive without ever engaging with what they really came from at all yeah well it's scary to do so yeah people are cowards yeah yeah dude it's terrible um actually so that reminds me of something i've watched the entire first season of lopez versus lopez what's that (laughs) it's the new george lopez sitcom Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the reason that it's related and that I want to tell you about it is because, uh, you know, George Lopez is old as fuck. And I think some people in comedy discount him as being like corny, right? And, oh, I'm a huge George Lopez. Yeah, we yeah. talked about this. We love him. And yeah. here's the thing uh, I think we wouldn't be surprised if he had like doubled down with like sexist stuff or like, I don't know, like just stayed macho and whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. And he hasn't, Jake. The new show is called Lopez versus Lopez because it's like it stars him and his real life daughter. And the story of the or like whatever the plot is that they were estranged for a long time, which is how it was in real life. And then he's like trying to win her over again. But it turns out that he basically during the pandemic lost his business and lost his house. So he's like a failure at everything. He's lost his wife. He's lost his family. He's a failure at everything. And his, he's like lying to her at first, but then she like finds out. So then she, even though she kind of hates him, she's like, okay, well you can just stay here while you get back on your feet or whatever. And while he's there, he grows. Okay, so he like they have conversations about the type of dad that he was and about like the way that he treated women in front of her and how that hurt her and her uh, perception of relationships with men. Um, She calls him out on like a language that should not be used anymore. And he like learns like it's not pandering. It's not uh, it sounds like corny when I say it, but if you watch it, it's like still a comedian trying to do comedy outside of his comfort zone not just like stay where he knew he could just keep hitting the same note everyone wants to hear him do you know and so instead of being the like hot shot in the fucking suit and the dancing around he's like uh, a humbled man whose masculinity ended up being something that kept him from really connecting with anyone in his family and he accepts being the butt of the joke while still, like, you know, having his digs and being the Latin man that he is and whatever. But he's, like, growing and learning. And it's, like, how different. And so it's, like, not age, I guess, right? Because yeah. we're seeing some 25-year-olds just disappointingly traditional and not. And it's fine to be traditional if you actually had critically engaged with anything else. 
because if you have critically engaged with anything else, then you wouldn't be disrespectful of how those other ways of living are important to other people. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's not age. Like I just, uh, retweeted a, a really terrible clip of Roseanne doing like anti pronoun mm. comedy and I called it boomer comedy, but like, I didn't actually mean that like, because it's not age, like it's yeah. the decision someone's making, uh, you know, that you could be yeah, George Lopez, probably similar age doing something yeah. like this. And you can be a fucking young, stupid Brooklyn hipster who's doesn't realize that they're being incredibly conservative in their like yeah. worldview. Um, but I do think it's interesting that someone like George Lopez can pull that off because uh, I would say more of a force that age is fame and like yeah. uh, position in like the entertainment industry and uh just just being like high up in this thing that's why i yeah. always talk about being like being broke makes you free you know or having a day mm-hmm. job means i can say whatever the fuck i want if i don't have a day job if i have george lopez's job decisions you make cost money and shit and yeah. potentially alienate audiences and stuff like that so if he can pull it off that's cool i mean i haven't seen this show so i could yeah. condone it myself but uh i you know it's if, good uh, i wonder if it, if um he had like a a kidney problem something bad he had to get a new kidney and i believe he got it from his ex-wife good people google it but i believe that like wow. pretty like his comedy is close to his real life um so i wonder if him having like you know gotten fame and money and then like almost died and then having to like go back to the people that he wronged in the past to like literally have a second chance at life (laughs) uh maybe is what kept him from digging in in the way that so many others have yeah i don't know i don't know um i heard that uh fuck what's his face from the 80s is very rude with the leather jacket uh carlin hated him sounds rude <laughs> jersey <laughs> andrew dice clay yes thank you see I that's the one I, <laughs> that description yeah. fit like 10 people oh but you got uh, it you see we can play <laughs> this game together jake um fuck you gotta look it up but apparently he's rude he's on stage don't imagine he's rude off stage no so apparently like okay i'm not even gonna ruin it but go check out what he's doing on tiktok (laughs) Uh. (laughs) because he's like doing like weird videos to see if people recognize him and he's like nice and stuff but it's just weird you gotta go see it okay Um, interesting yeah what what else did you want to talk about was there anything else um this guy actually you know what this segues pretty nicely yeah i just watched this movie called perfect blue it's um Mm -hmm. It's an animated film from Japan from 1995. You might refer to it as anime, but it's a uh, it's a legit like thriller. It's a you know it's not robots fighting each other and shit. Um, it's like a psychological thriller, and it's, uh, it's often not anime robots fighting each other. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not, <laughs> but a lot of it is. I mean, there's like a yeah. lot of uh, you know like supernatural stuff and weird shit like robots, and Gundams and stuff yeah. in anime. But uh, it's one of those, I I mean, fuck, this is, a, we're doing a podcast, which is an internet-y thing, so, like, I don't need to explain this to probably people that listen to this, but anime is an interesting art form because um, it is literally, like, it. I, we're weird. America is weird in that animation here is only for children, right? Uh-huh. It actually makes more sense what they do elsewhere in the world where they go, this is yeah. a medium, you can do anything with Whatever, it, you can yeah. make a 
horror film or a love story or whatever um and we were like no 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 no, no. that's for kids adults like watching human actors weird right yeah. uh so like there's a wealth of really interesting shit if you go down this rabbit hole and stuff but um but people are also often put off by it because the the famous ones that everyone knows are uh, you know often kind of silly and stupid like dragon ball z or whatever the fuck just people throwing yeah. fireballs at each other um uh but anyway, anyway there's this film called perfect blue and it's um often listed in like you know the hundred greatest films of all time or whatever you know how watchman is like the one comic that gets put in with every the greatest novels of all time yeah. this is that but for anime uh perfect okay. blue so i had seen a lot of stuff about it because i follow like these weird film accounts that do like interesting um side-by-side -side shots uh like here's a shot from a movie from you know 1935 here's a really similar shot that tarantino did in one of his movies you could tell that it's like an homage on purpose yeah. um and a bunch of them were of perfect blue uh particularly the scene in requiem for a dream which darren aronofsky directed where uh someone is sitting in their bathtub and they like they slurch over and like stick their face in the water yeah. that's like a direct one-to-one -one. he clearly watched this and so he's been asked about it and he said yeah i love that movie so he yeah. um he directly um you know performed an homage or whatever to it but the other thing is so perfect blue is it's really good it's about this um young uh pop star who is um leaving her three-piece like destiny's child type thing to go be an actress and she's having this crisis over it because she's she's considers like it's it's framed as like um you're growing up you're gonna go become a huge star on like acting or whatever yeah. uh but she's having this crisis over like should i have left my pop band the band kind of gets like more famous after she leaves and stuff mm -hmm. and she you know takes his job on this procedural crime drama or, or like i think it's a movie actually that they're filming and uh she's like not getting that much screen time in it and she's like oh did i make this huge uh, mistake and stuff like that and then uh they ask her if she wants to do the scene where she gets raped and she's like mm. her parents are like uh no absolutely not and she goes like no i'll do it it's worth it for like me to be a star right time, yeah and simultaneously while this is happening she's kind of being stalked by this weird guy and also um her best friend keeps coming over and like uh they keep you know talking and stuff and like um she starts to have just this weird dissociation so her mind sort of starts to, to divide into multiple people and that's like reflected via the storytelling in the film so it gets really like hard to follow and weird and anyway i don't know if you've ever seen black swan but mm -hmm. uh that's an aronofsky film right Black yeah. Swan is really similar to Perfect Blue, and it came out the year the director of Perfect Blue died, and Aronofsky was asked about it, and he mm -hmm. claims that he didn't rip it off, but he, like, clearly, like, I, it's clearly he ripped it off, and I say rip off because he's denying it. Like, if he said, like, oh, it's an homage, that'd be, like, one thing, but it's, like, almost the same story. It, Perfect Blue is better. I think it has a way better ending. Yeah. It goes way harder with the creepy dissociation stuff. And uh, it's good. But they both have this same conflict, which is like, well, I think it's more expressed as a conflict in Perfect Blue, but it's like... What's um, the Perfect Blue conflict? Yeah, please tell me. Well, it's just that uh, it's not it's not like a easy to quantify like in kind of one statement, but it's it, the, the thing about her like um, career and like growing into adulthood kind of at the same time 
and then coming up against all these like brick walls creatively in her like this this weird acting career um i don't know i'm still trying to she's an actress yeah well she was a pop pop star that left her band to go be an actress right right. right? and then like all of this stuff starts to fall apart oh also the guy who's stalking her is like um it's so it's early internet right it's 1995 and there's this guy following her around with a video camera and she just got a computer it's like the first time people are getting personal computers and like having the internet and stuff so her friend has to show her how to use the internet and she's like look we'll like look you up on like i don't think google yeah. even existed yet or whatever and they find this website and it's like supposedly a diary that she's writing but she's not writing it so the guy is writing it right the stalker Ooh, and then it, it gets creepy when she starts to yeah. when she does like the rape scene he gets really mad because he has a parasocial relationship with her right because he's a mm. fan so the reason i, I want to bring it up on this show is because we always talk about like um well, it's just kind of pertinent to the the, the yeah. uh, career path, right? Because one of the things that becomes a huge conflict with her is like this fan and like the person who is invested in her, and he's making it very clear he wants her to make certain decisions with her career, like don't do that scene and uh, maybe go back and be the musician again or whatever. Yeah, and she's like, I want to be a serious actress and stuff like that, and he's like gonna kill her, you know, over it, which and it's fucking yeah. really scary. I don't know. What do you think? Huh. Well, obviously, I haven't seen Perfect Blue, but the reason that I asked you to try to summarize what the conflict is, is because what so, you know, I'm not like uh, I'm not really great with directors. I don't really you know, I just always felt like I didn't really know that much about film unless it was like old timey film, you know, but mm-hmm. since the pandemic, I've spent a lot of time um, trying to catch up with all the movies that I'd missed while I was in grad school and whatever and working all the time. Uh, so basically from like 2000 to 2015 <laughs> or whatever, I was like, I got to watch all those 15 years of movies. And then on top of that, I've just been rewatching some 90s things that I enjoyed and then also rewatching some of the, the stuff after. Right. But in these rewatchings and watchings, I have come pretty close to the conclusion that Darren Aronofsky is my favorite director. Really? OK. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's controversial to say, but Didn't you hate his mother movie. No, Mother's my favorite movie, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It's probably tied right now with Suspiria, the new one, not the old one. Uh, But I think it's because um, I can see a common thread across his work with some exceptions like Noah. I've never seen it, but I don't understand why he made a movie about Noah. (laughs) You know that he made that movie, right? (laughs) No. It's uh, like Russell Crowe as Noah from the Bible. The and, Bible? <laughs> yeah. And they fucking make an ark and shit. I've never watched it. I mean, like, why would I? But <laughs> Darren Aronofsky made this. I kind of think that it's like a situation where he makes some movies for the money so he can make some other ones for the okay. love. But that's just me guessing. And I haven't seen The Whale, which is the newest one. And people oh. seem to like it, I guess. I haven't seen it. I heard it's good. Me neither. Um but Mother is amongst my favorites, and Black Swan, I think, is maybe one of the... Oh, actually, Requiem for a Dream is probably the first one I ever saw, but I had no idea who he was at the time. But Black Swan and Mother, at least, I think, and The Wrestler. So he's made one, two, three, four, five, six, Well, seven, if you eight, like Black Swan, you should watch Perfect Blue. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, you're going to hate me, but I hate animation. I, I know, I know. I've, I don't I've... hate it, but I just like can't. I get distracted, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to look at my phone, <laughs> and I'll check back in in five minutes, and they're like, oh, whatever. 
Uh, so it's whatever. I'll give it a shot. Okay, I'll give it a shot. Um, but oh, I also forgot one thing about the plot. Sorry, she. Um, oh, tell me. Okay, so like she starts hallucinating herself, but it's herself mm-hmm. in the uniform from her pop band, and it's like she's like fighting with it. So yeah. that's part part of the conflict metaphor is like grappling with the self as an artist, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, no, perfect. That's where I was going. Like, um, that's what I was going to say is that I think that people have a tendency to focus on Aronofsky's movies as having something to do. They do, but it maybe as have, being exclusively about like psychological, uh, like fucking with you, right? Like not really knowing what's going on kind of thing or the character themselves, not really being able to differentiate between reality and not reality. But I actually think that the common thread in a lot of his movies is a <clears throat> hyper concern with the artist and how the artist exists within the world, right? And so they're all different takes. It's not him ever being like, this is what an artist should be and whatever. It's like little tiny photographic moments in an artist's life, right? So if mother, mother is the one where we see an artist's family life and the way that their success or lack thereof impacts their personal life and literally becomes a black hole that swallows everyone around them, right? Mm-hmm. In Black Swan, we see the competitive and like even self-castigating side of being an artist where if you're not the best then it's not even worth trying and there and that drives you to the dark side of destroying your peers and destroying yourself along with them right yeah and the wrestler oh my god like the saddest movie i've ever seen in my life i love the wrestler <laughs> you so, love it of yeah. course you love it because you are the wrestler you yeah, know yeah, that right sure. okay <laughs> i'm like i'm like i know so many wrestlers uh Oh my god. It's like um I know that it is so this is why I thought of the wrestler when you were talking because I'm gonna defend my Aronofsky boy and say that um he is inspired by and not ripping off. And it sucks if he didn't like admit it with that case, because it seems like he does most times, and so much of his work is clearly influenced by something else that he is like responding to or adding to right Uh and the wrestler um ah what's his name jake the snake i think uh no not in the movie not in the movie in real life there was a wrestler i want to say his name was jake the snake something yeah that's that's a wrestler yeah yeah and i believe there's a documentary about his life which is it mirrors pretty much exactly the story of the wrestler. Oh, interesting. I'm gonna find it. I think that's the wrestler. Obviously, I dated a man that was really into wrestling, so I learned some wrestling shit in the past. So happen. I a long time ago saw the documentary about Jake the Snake, and he had the same kind of situation where, you know, he was like fucking super famous in the 80s, the big hair, the cocaine, the chicks throwing them, themselves at him. Uh, you know, just succeeding, everything is great. But on the sideline, he was ignoring a wife and a, neglecting a, a daughter and fucking up his body with the drugs that he was taking in and all the partying that was nece- like, I don't want to say necessary, but it was part of the lifestyle, right? Of yeah. pursuing his dream of being a, a wrestler, which is a type of performer, right? And he, in the documentary, what really happens is that 
he tries to like reconnect with his daughter when she's like 20 something maybe even 30 and she sort of rejects him and then he goes and does one weird wrestling like on the road you know sort of shitty gig that is like way below where he was 10 years before and then he fucking dies of like a heart attack slash drug overdose in a hotel or some shit and that's like the real story of jake the snake yeah so the wrestler is sort of just picking up that entire story but dramatizing connecting with daughters in this episode of why you mad oh yeah i know right (laughs) but the wrestler the aronofsky movie on the surface i think it's about a wrestler but it's about artists once again because it is about how even when you reach the heights of what you're doing it's just never permanent and then you fall and then what do you do and then do you keep pursuing it and do you still find that rush in just doing it in a small scale in the way that he did so there's like a this this is why i think it's like the saddest scene i've ever seen in my life the saddest movie he see he does this whole thing where he's like you know he's older he's already like fucked up his body's fucked up but he wants to keep wrestling yeah. and he's like <laughs> sort of still writing the fa- the fading fame of his name from a while back and he gets offered this pretty big gig to fight a pretty big guy from like eight, that he fought one time in like 1989 or whatever the fuck. So it's going to be a rematch. And the promoter is like, we're going to give you so much money. This is going to be great. So he goes out and he's practically like living out of his van. And he goes out and he spends the rest of his money, like literally all the money that he has to get like a new outfit and get a like bleach his hair and get a new spray tan and fucking buy new like props (laughs) you know like he's like all in on this because it's sort of in this way where he well a he thinks he's gonna get the money at the end right and how many comics do we know have gone and spent all the money on the flight and on all the shit to just come back in the hole right i have a friend who got cast in a tarantino movie and did that and then watched the movie and he wasn't in it And that's why yeah. he quit acting. Yeah, exactly. So it's these like crushing moments. Why can't I hear myself? Oh my god, my god. I can hear you. Okay, well that's fine. So these it's like a just like a fucking hour and a half or two hour just like picture of maybe like the worst day on tour that you ever had as a comic. Yeah. Or and yet it's something that he's doing not for the drugs or the attention or respect because he's not really getting any it's because he loves getting up on that thing and performing and he's good at it and he like he's good at it and it's crazy that um we are so resistant to just the idea that it feels so good to be good at something and sometimes that's all you want to do even if it's to the detriment of yourself and others yeah, I mean, the saddest part of that movie to me is when he, uh, like, is trying to reconnect with his daughter, but then he, like, parties too hard after a exactly, fucking Exactly, he forgets, yeah. it up, and it's like, but that partying is part of the fucking wrestler bit. I mean, yeah. it's part of the job, you know, so he's like, in a way, I guess what I saw in that scene is the way in which the lifestyle of the, the thing that you do that you love can consume all the people around you and stuff. And and also the other thing I really liked about that movie is that there's a sort of a, a, a another parallel to all of that 
creativity arc stuff you just described in that he cast Mickey Rourke to play the wrestler because yeah. Mickey Rourke was like a really handsome guy actor, when he was yeah. young. And he, uh, he was, have you ever seen Barfly? It's like one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies where he plays young Bukowski. He was nine and a half weeks. Did you ever see that? No. That was probably like the first horny movie I ever saw. He was really handsome back then, yeah. but, he was a, but he was a boxer. And that's like yeah. part of why that and probably just drinking and shit is yeah. why he like he his head looks bigger than it like used to. You know what I mean? Coke, like, I think he also has like Coke nose and like. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure all of it. Yeah. He yeah. he looks like like one of those Motley Crew guys. How they were like twinks when they yeah. were young, and now they're like hedgehog people. Well, oh, but, you know, sad. one thing that I wanted to tell you is like with both the wrestler and mother, uh, they kind of share something that in common with Heat that I was telling Katie is like okay, so you could argue, or you, I think most people would say that these show how the thing you do for a living consume the people in your life the way you were mm-hmm. saying. But if you read it through a pro-artist, anti-trad lens, what it's really saying is that you have to make a choice. You cannot have both. You can pursue a um, calling. Let's call it, call it a calling. So that way it can include running heists <laughs> and also uh, being a wrestler or being a poet or being a comic, right? So you can pursue your calling. There's nothing wrong with that, but you need to be honest with yourself and the people that you purport to have in your life about how much you can offer them, about how much your primary relationship is your calling, how much you need space and time for that primary love in your life. And if they love you, they would understand that. Otherwise, they will be consumed by it. And we come back to the ladies, the leftist ladies at the beginning who are like, why isn't he paying attention to it? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. why isn't it? Uh, well, yeah. So if you like a guy that organizes and has an artistic pursuit and has female friends and has all whatever, that means he can see you twice a week, hun. Yeah, right. You can't, you're not going to get a leftist like traditional yeah. husband uh you know that just comes home every night for dinner and fucking can't wait to walk the dog and take out the trash and whatever the fuck while also wanting all of these other characteristics in a man yeah people want that shit so bad though but it's, it's, the, same th- it's <laughs> the same thing as wanting to like date a, a stripper and then being like a jealous man or yeah totally it, it's all a matter of like believing in the fantasy that love trumps everything and if you just fall in love, everything will be fine. It'll work out. That's not fucking true. Stop believing that you don't have to find someone who sees the world like you do and that values what you value and that respects what you love and that you respect what they love. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I so I don't know. Um, I'll watch The Whale. I've never seen Noah or the Fountain. I've actually never seen Pi. Have you seen Pi? What's Pi? About? I don't think I've ever seen about it. About the number Pi? <laughs> I think it is. It is. I know. That's why I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch a math movie, but okay. Well, it's probably not that much about the number Pi. Uh, it's about should, artists. But if you're on an artist kick, you really should watch this fucking movie, but I understand if you No, I'll, I'll look for it. I'll look for it. I'm, it's on the list, man. I'm on it. Um, let me make a recommendation to you. We can't talk about it right now because I know you got to go. And also I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to talk to Brett Arnold about this because check this out. You know, Brett, right? I think. 
Yeah, Brett is, uh, he's like a film critic and he also produces shows in, in New York City. He used to do the show, oh, fuck, don't put me on the spot, I forgot his name. I mean, the name of the show. Put yourself but, on the spot. Yeah, I put myself on the spot. I know, I know. But <laughs> Brett, my uh, yeah. cis hetero male friend, texts me out of nowhere and he's like, hey, have you seen Magic Magic Mike's Last Dance? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, is that the stripper movie? <laughs> and he yeah. was like, yeah, the third one. Jake, the third one. And I had yeah, never yeah, seen yeah. one. I had ne- Have you seen one of them or no? It's only the third one? No, I was in a relationship in 2015 or something. And yeah. my, my girlfriend at the time made me watch the second one. So seven years later, the third one is coming out. Eight yes. years later. I will say you you had the pleasure of watching the best one. However, well, it, was, um, it was a pleasure. I loved it. I do recommend that you go back and watch I, I, it now with a Why You Mad um, <laughs> lens. Really, really, because, oh, you, ha- you got to go back and see it because um, it is about uh an artist it is about pursuing art for the sake of art about doing something that you enjoy just because you love it um it's beautiful it's beautiful man and then also there's sexy dance scenes (laughs) so i recommend that you watch it everybody watch it (laughs) uh, keep an eye out for an episode where i'm going to talk to a dude do you know what oh my god i mean i'm going to call him out on this on when i talk to him but do you know what he actually said jake what and i have it in the text he said best trilogy ever made fuck star wars (laughs) <laughs> he's yeah, a film I mean, critic a t- go attack him <laughs> i don't fucking care <laughs> <laughs> no not, not you people listening oh, um that's cool you know who yeah just watch followed- magic mike i want to hear what you have to think about it uh you know who just followed me on twitter who, who i is no longer a comedy booker so like it, i don't <laughs> contact this person anymore is emily gordon uh who used to book nerd melt and all that shit yeah. and it's now, i this just reminded me of it because I, I looked at my twitter and i was like huh she finally followed me but yeah show anymore so it doesn't matter nope. she, like in her bio it says watch chippendales on hulu because her husband kumail is in that oh and it's about gosh. chippendales which is similar to magic mike yeah. and uh i just i don't know if she knows who i am or how much i make fun of her husband <laughs> so, <laughs> getting at here because like she's gotta unfollow me at some point because i had, I had no but, interest in watching know. chippendales but if you want to watch it and you find it worth making fun of let me know and i'll watch it i don't want to watch any of this shit but i will Dude, magic mike is good but no okay that's why that's why aren't you glad that i'm making i mean not even some other person made me watch it you don't even have to watch it i'll come back and tell you how great it is I kind of enjoy the idea of watching these trashy, dumb movies and doing why you mad shit with them, but I still like I can feel it in my voice right now. I'm yeah. still sulking about being in a relationship and being made to watch one of these as like a girlfriendy <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. I remember no. being like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, when Brett told way. me about it, I went to see tonight. I went to see um, the third one in the theater, but I went with ladies obviously mm-hmm. like and the theater was just full of ladies like middle-aged ladies ho- hooting and hollering it was great <laughs> i think i saw the trailer there's an uh, actress in one of these right the sama hayek right right right, right. Oh, yes yes and oh it's Honest cute it's wonderful woman. but number number two is still the best one it's the most um about artists uh, it's the most about just like pursuing your art, even though you're aging out of it, even though you feel like it's too late and all of that oh, shit. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So because of the gap in the in the movies, 
I guess in the first one, Tatum Channing, whatever his name is, Channing Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, the hot boy, the hot boy, <laughs> he was like of all time. 25 or something in the first one and then in the second one he was 30 and then in the third one he's 40 wow so yeah so i mean he's still fucking hot as shit but it's like um i don't know obviously you may not have heard but there's a new romantic comedy out (laughs) on amazon prime starring jennifer lopez and josh duhamo duhamo i don't know how to say that name no idea but it's pretty funny because it's a brand new romantic comedy with Jennifer Lopez as the lead. Dude, she's 53 years old. Yeah. Still yeah. hot. Still hot. No, people watched it to see her hot fucking ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, wow, it's a whole new world of like some of these oldies being hotties. Uh, the other guy that's in the movie, uh, in the second one, in the first one and the second one that's super hot is Sofia Vergara's husband. I don't know what his name is. That's what I call him, Sofia Vergara's husband. Uh-huh. Uh, he was in True Blood. He was the wolf in True Blood. The oh, never saw no, it. No, you didn't watch that? Well, oh. whatever. He's super hot. Ladies, if you're listening, go watch it. You want to see this man hump dance on some ladies. Totally worth your time. But also, it's very deep about artists. <laughs> and you would like it, Jake. Do it. Uh oh man, you know what? We're at the end of the episode. There's no way to get into this, but I forgot. Uh, I kind of want no, to. No, yeah, talk throw it out. This. Throw it out. I think we should do a "Why You Mad" about the Harry Potter video game. <laughs> oh shit! Are you playing it? Get no, right now. I'm okay. not playing it because there's a moratorium on it. But I have a lot yeah. of opinions about that, and I kind of want yeah. to. Yeah. Maybe next week. I'm yeah. down with that. Let's do it next week. Yeah, because um, I've definitely been watching the discourse, and there's definitely shit to talk about with that cool all right we'll, we'll do that next uh, week. all right dude can't wait to talk to you next week um do you want to plug anything you'll be around yeah the 26th uh i'm doing a show at union pool with uh, oh, claire okay. and emily panic it's called Fantastic. windbreaker uh their everybody showcase. come to that there's i'm tacos. doing their showcase i'm doing it with them that sounded like it was my show yeah they're like oh, all three of us on stage at the same time comedy orgy no um it'll be fun it's a great venue i'm gonna be there that'll be cool i don't have anything to plug um just check me out on twitter i guess where i you know that did you see that they ruined the whole thing where if you were a locked account you used to get a lot of attention and then these fucking assholes went and told elon about it and then elon was like that seems weird i'll fix it and then he changed it and now nobody sees my tweets <laughs> that sucks yeah he's ruining yeah. twitter you can't follow people anymore <laughs> dude just, yeah the other day like a huge the problem D- dms weren't working at all like i had to text someone to get a number to, to to be able to talk to someone that i was just talking to because it just yeah. stopped working so it is near the end and maybe it's okay maybe it's okay uh i hope it just finally dies but it seems like a long process anyway yeah. i gotta go uh help my friend at work so I gotta yeah bounce. dude have a good shift i'll see you later Good night. All right. Good night. Are you mad?